0: Three, two, one. Hey, Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, man, how you doing? I am doing fantastic, man. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me out. You know, it's been a, a long time coming. Both you and I have been highly interested in what we're you know, both trying to do. I've been watching, listening to your podcast regularly, man. I really appreciate all the, the work you're putting in.
0: Oh, likewise, man. I'm super... Th- stoked to have you on the show I've been like chomp biting my fingernails and all that stuff it's so great to have you on the show today and um, looking forward to it so uh, as I always say Adam are you ready to get this sober party started or what
1: I'm ready to get the party started
0: awesome (laughs) my favorite word hey so uh, let's launch into uh, just a few questions you know tell us a little bit about yourself where you grew up how many brothers sisters hobbies and all that good stuff what are you all about man
1: Well, it's, as you know, my name is Adam Jasinski. This is also, you know, a great tie-in for myself. This is going to be aired for you guys out there as my podcast also. I'm going to, you know, put it out as my fourth one in the series. So my history and background kind of, I'm known for the winner of the CBS show, Big Brother. I won the half a million dollars, got out, and it was a full-blown pill mill here in South Florida. And I decided that, you know using my earnings to sell drugs was a genius idea and mental health <laughs> situations you know what turned out to be di- undiagnosed bipolar disorder paired with you know a raging drug habit just landed my ass in federal prison for four years and you know and that in a nutshell was a blessing in skies because it gave me the time I needed to really rearrange my life and put the time in that's needed to get out of the hole that I dug myself in and You know, I came out the other side and as you've been seeing lately, I've been working in the mental health and the addiction fields for the last, you know, six years. And I've been, you know, clean, sober, mentally stable and wrote in a book called My Kids on Drugs Now What and helping parents and families get their asses together, you know.
0: That is awesome. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, I want to talk about the book. I want to talk about your podcast later. want to get into your story yeah. later. What kind of hobbies do you have, man? Are you uh, you? Uh, I uh, got a weightlifter, right? Dirt
1: bikes. I got a go-kart out there. I got, you know, my girl over here, she's always got me planning on something, whether it's Friday, Saturday. I don't even book anything anymore. She has me scheduled. So, you know, healthy, sober, good stuff. Like, Listen, for me, being sober, I have to have... <laughs> things planned in advance you right. know before and when you're using it, it's always fly by night like fly by the seat of your pants oh yeah it comes goes for me if i like for instance i'm going to see florida georgia line um october 14th so the day after this um th- this next friday you know we're we recording this a little bit earlier but you know i have that booked. i'm going to see nelly and florida georgia line which is a great plan for me to look forward to cool um she has a cruise that we're going to go on um in november so hey, for you got me, an extra ticket yeah, come on <laughs> down. It's gonna, it's gonna be a good time. I actually saw them um, once before. It was really worth going, so we're gonna go back again.
0: Nice, nice. And uh, you look like, to, like a... my hobbies. And w- and
1: uh-huh. Go ahead. I was gonna
0: say you, you look like a, I mean, you look like the kind of guy I wanted by my side when I was getting into fights, dude. You uh, are yeah. like buffer. than like, okay, Dwayne Johnson, he's got a little on you, but not much. You're a buff guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stopping. The, and part of my mental health is if you want to go into the mental health and what my life was lacking, you know, I remember I went to University of Pennsylvania when they first diagnosed me and I didn't believe it like any drug addict. They had like those studies they pay you for, you know, so right. I, I was free and clear off of drugs and I was like, something's still not right. So I go online and I do like mental health studies and University of Pennsylvania was like, we're paying for people to come be part of our bipolar study. I was like, sign me up, you know. So I went to UPenn and I didn't qualify for the study for, for people who cycle like once a year. And the guy looked at me right away and he was like, Man, you've been struggling for way too long, and we're going to get you better. And he took me under his wing and he taught me about, you know, the components are getting sleep, decompressing every day. Like every day in my life, I turn it off at five o'clock, going mm. to the gym. Staying healthy, eating good, and staying in shape and exercising are like the key components that I was lacking in my life. I never slept. I always was involved in some crazy harebrained idea, you know, 24 (laughs) hours a day. Chasing those squirrels everywhere? Like shit. Huh?
0: Chasing squirrels everywhere?
1: Yeah, everywhere. Well, no, chasing who knows what where. I ended (laughs) up in Las Vegas. I was in Italy. I was in New York City. I was in Miami. I was living all over the fucking place, not knowing what I'm doing or where I'm going, just chasing squirrels, man. And it all crashed. My life would always be a series of like, you know, buildups and crashes, buildups and crashes, like buildups and crashes. And, you know, finally just learning those key pieces, follow your medication, stay healthy, eat good, get rest, and decompress your life and segment into healthy sections. Made me a whole new man. The drug habit just fell by the wayside for me. Like drugs had like no interest to me whatsoever Mm -hmm. pretty much after – i found out what was missing right it was a tough life man it really was hard yeah Even when i was young like everyone's like oh he's add he just has a lot of energy like i'm manic as fuck.
0: Oh, you know right. like
1: i am off the hook
0: yeah all day every day all the time i love it well i get excited but, uh, talking uh, to i get excited talking to you to guys like you too because i'm i'm <laughs> like all ADD. i just control my add but i'm like all <laughs> over the map it's like ah! <laughs> You can relate, yeah. right? But we, lo- I, we yeah, love it because we're on to like – learn how
1: to control it, man. Yeah, high That's, speed. I congratulate you on that one too because you have to learn how to manage that stuff, whether it's ADD or whether it's you know, bipolar or depression or anxiety or a phobia that you have. You have to identify it and learn how to manage it. Yeah. And then you'll, it's a whole new life after
0: that. It is, man. I'm really just so amazed at what you've done. Hey, what's your, uh, when's your sobriety birthday?
1: Um, I guess the dad got locked up October tenth. Man, what's today's
0: date? Today is October. What's oh my I think gosh! It's tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> it's tomorrow. You you have a oh, that was what two
1: thousand and ten. At eight. No, I guess ten years. It'll be eight years ago tomorrow.
0: Wow. Yup. So <laughs> when you heard the clinking? What a good
1: question to ask me today, right?
0: Yeah, the clinking of the you know the clinking of the cell. It was like that. Okay, I'm I'm sober now. <laughs>
1: I was laying on the bench, and I was more pissed that I couldn't do cocaine no more than I was, like, I got locked the fuck up. You know, it was just <laughs> so sad. Dude. It was just a mess. Yes. I was up for, like, four days straight, dude. It was, it was just a, it was a mess. I uh. slept with the withdrawal. Thank <laughs> God. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I yes. I was up for
1: so many days. I slept.
0: They probably had to carry you out on in a gurney to talk to the judge, right?
1: <sighs> dude, it was the worst. It was so <laughs> depressing. It's like – it's kind of so hard. Like, I never want to go back there again. I never want to be in that position. Oh, where yeah. Something. So, you know, it's so futile. And, like, you don't know. It's like when you're all jammed up and it's hard to blame people. Like, I tell parents it's hard to blame your kids because they're, like, you know, they're under, like, a, a spell. Yes. Like, non-decision making. True. Non-correct decision making. And true. I talk to them, like, in the book, like, when I talk about, like, preparing, like, parents and families, like, how do you treat your kid? It's like, it's like with the hurricanes that just came. Like, a hurricane's coming. Your kid's on drugs. Yeah. You know? A hurricane, you board your house up and you prepared and you're ready. Like my mom, she wasn't ready and prepared for me. You know, they weren't ready to handle what was going on. So it took such ex- extreme measures for me to finally realize. Yeah, it. let me plug That's the book real quick for those
0: that are that are chomping at the bit like like me. I, I want to know what's the book. What's the book? Hey, by the <laughs> way, I I was very proud of myself when you and I met, man. I bought that book like within seconds. I didn't get my autographed copy, though, but that's cool. Hey, the book is called My Kids on Drugs, Now What? And um, it's a great read, you guys. Great read. Anyway, back to the show.
1: I just (laughs) revamped the whole website, mykidsondrugs.com. I kind of revamped it with this whole new webinar format where, you know, instead of just like buy my book here, just sell it. It's more of an interactive experience with me. I kind of. You know, after like getting feedback from the book, like it really is a lot of nuts and bolts in the book. It's not just war stories That's and right. like, "Hey, look at me. I actually wrote a book oh, to help people."
0: And I love it. I do.
1: As, as you read in there, like it, it has a lot of like technical terms in there. The book has a mm-hmm. lot of like like IOPs and behavioral health technicians and it talks about court and bail and everything yeah. that you need to know that addiction will bring into your life. So, I had it on the website just for sale, and then I realized, like, it needs more to it. So I have an accelerator course available that can really have me as, like, a one-on-one to, like, take you through the book. There's mm. a lot, a
0: lot, a That's lot cool. of stuff I have coming out. Let's here. talk about I'm that. I'm super excited. Let's, let's talk about that um, after we – I want to – I'm just very curious about your your um, – let's call it recovery program of choice. we got all oh, kinds hey. of choices out there. What are you into? Are you into NA And do you do meetings and sponsoring and all that stuff?
1: I'm on some next level stuff to be honest with you. It for me, I believe that the core principles of fundamentally getting sober are necessary. No matter what it is. You gotta go through what you need to go through a 30-day rehab, you need to go through AA, you need to get a sponsor. you need mm-hmm. to go through the steps. Period end of story. Like that is the core fundamentals of how it works. But for me, I take it to the next level is my life, I don't need. I don't, I don't need to. I my meetings are, you know, hanging out with like peers. My meetings are hanging out with people more influential than me. I don't hang out with, with, with former drug addicts mm-hmm, anymore. Mm-hmm. I kind of spend more of my time hanging out with people who have what I want in life. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of developed a hybrid program that involves spirituality. Uh, it involves accountability. It involves a regular schedule because you think about it, like AA is about being accountable. It's about having scheduled time right. to work on yourself. So for me, um, it, 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 my, my recovery program changes as I've changed, as I've developed a change. When I first got out on BOM, I went through an inpatient rehab, and I listened and learned and spoke up. Mm-hmm. I worked the program. I did what was expected of me. You're there for yourself. Like in the book, it's a selfish program, you know, like right. you're there for you to get better. Like don't sit there with your therapist in one-on-one group session. and Just nod your head. Like talk about shit that bothers
0: That's you. That's right. No you arms like, folded, no. <sighs> uh, you know, arms crossed right. and folded, scowl on the face. cap turns yep. backward turned backwards, not saying a word, not going to do it.
1: No, like, like sit in group and raise your hand. Like, read the literature like read the big book like read what's in there like know the material i read right. the bible front to back and big brother 5 times so why not read i'm a reader so it's naturally but like if that's written for a reason the bible's written for a reason cuz it's good things to read like the a a, a. mark cox's book and cox's book is written for a reason it's good stuff to read it serves a purpose so read the sh- that's shit. right absorb the material you know what i mean yeah. like you need to get those fundamentals When you pick a sponsor, I didn't pick a kid that had a year sober. I found the guy that had the nicest car in the parking lot, dressed the nicest, seemed to have the most money, you know, and probably got with the hottest chicks. I'm like, Ralph, (laughs) I'm hanging out with you. You know what I mean?
0: Did you get any chicks from that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it didn't matter. I learned some tips from that man. You know what I mean? Because you were focused on sobriety. Ralph polished my game up to make me more of a gentleman, you know what I'm saying? Because he it. had 25 years sober and was successful in his life all, in all aspects of life, you know? I didn't look at it as just you know, drugs, 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 booze, 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 booze. Like, my conversation now, especially with the kids I work with, with interventions, and with kids that are in recovery, and I say kids, that means 18 to like
0: 26,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, like the Democrats I work with, I don't talk about drugs to them. It's like, What's your goals? How's your job? Love it. How's the halfway house life? You know, how's things with your family? Like, I try not to talk about drugs because, for me, they're not part of my life anymore. Right. My biggest concern and biggest issue is my mental health. So I kind of talk about mental health things with others because that's where I need my support. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No,
0: totally. I totally get it. The reason I started this podcast was because I felt like we were pigeonholed as people in recovery – That we could never be successful. And I I always said that's bull, man. Look at me, man. I'm killing it. Exactly. And, you know, so this (laughs) show is like about business. It's about success. It's about sobriety. But we don't, you know, we don't want to dwell on the the – there's the experience, strength, and hope. This show is focused on strength and hope and and smaller on the experiences.
1: Yeah, and there's a – And you have to understand there's a progression. When you stand still, you relapse. You know what I mean? Right. Like you have to constantly be progressing to a better place. You have to constantly, in my opinion, be becoming a a finer person. It's like training. Like in church the other day, they're talking about you can pray at something all you want, you know, and you can try all you want, but you need to train and condition yourself, you know, like. Oh, you're gonna say you're gonna pass the bar. You're like, I prayed and I tried to take the test, but I failed. No, you need to study to pass the exam. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the example, and that kind of stuff sticks with me, you know. So, it's like, you know, I'm conditioning myself and training myself to be better, you know, at life and period. It's not just mentally or sober. It's like, it's like life's tough, dude. Life was never promised to be rainbows and fucking unicorns. what I mean like. It's hard. I it's love your approach hard. on
0: that too. Hey, how old were you the first time you you drank or used drugs and
1: 13, 12, 13. Did you Never like it? I stopped until I was I loved it, man. Never stopped until I was 32.
0: That's a little to while. 30, 13
1: <laughs> to 32, How <the> hell is that? said, got 20 20 year run dude I had in me. Right. Non-stop. And they, and like I thought like Switching up like cocaine for percocets was like taking a break. You know what I mean? Like that's how insane I
0: was. Right, right. I'm gonna quit you know, the Coke and I'll go to mushrooms this time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or I'll take XD every weekend. But like for me, I wasn't a fall down drunk. Sometimes those fall down drunks have a leg up because they get to the they get to the bottom first. Right. You know, you can't go on fucking getting arrested and passing out every night, you know? That's right. For me, it was the long term play. Like I was like, Functioning. I had an eight ball. I had like planned out how long an eight ball would last me for, and how much I can do a day, and I would take X amount of pills, and like it was just a functioning habit. I was just so conditioned to do it, and always having drugs and always selling drugs, because I need to pay for the drugs. Yeah. Because for me, uh, that was my problem. I didn't. I I I I got manic. I got high off selling drugs. That was my high. You know what I mean? The drug like, abusing drugs again really fucked up was secondary to me like to that lifestyle and that experience and emerging myself and i was mm-hmm. like i knew i need to do drugs so i need to pay for the drugs somehow because you were the and if man I could make a little money to pay my bills you know what i mean i don't need <laughs> i didn't need to be the millionaire but if i can make all my bill money and still go out every night of the week i did that for 10 years straight man it was freaking crazy yeah do you remember
0: being feel ha- having that feeling like uh, i'm i'm selling drugs and i'm the man And everybody's coming to me. I'm the man. My phone's blowing up. The man.
1: Yeah, still I I still am the man. I still got that. I still I still battle those issues.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, well. uh, But it
1: feels good, man. Oh, you're doing great. Good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Feels good to feel good. You gotta feel good about yourself. Like, listen, I'm a dude. I'm a man. I'm a provider. I have to be the bread earner. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, those things, in my opinion, hasn't changed. So whatever I got to do to keep providing for my family and my life. Like these kids don't get it. Like someday you're going to have to take care of your parents. You know, they're yeah, so yeah. the generation now is just so different, man. Mm-hmm. There's like, everything's just postponed and postponed and postponed. You know? And it's like back in the day, you know, when they didn't have all this information and, and this availability, like you're 18, you're going to get a job and you're taking care of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. now they're 26 and don't even know how to wash clothes. And this is like,
0: yeah, right.
1: Man. But that's a whole nother subject matter. To begin with, but you know, back to the saying, it's like I finally learned I had to grow up at 33 years old. I was like, you know, I'm arrested, I'm in jail, I'm in a bench in freaking Boston, Massachusetts, dude, for selling drugs. And after I had a half a million dollars in my pocket and was a national celebrity, it's like some kind of disconnect here, you know. And then as I went through the program, I did the rehab, I did the mental health rehab. And for me, I separated those two programs. So now my mom owns half of a um, treatment program here in South Florida. It's a mental health-based program. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you, you need to identify like substance abuse treat substance abuse, mental health programs treat mental health. I didn't convolute and right. mingle the two right. of them like so many do. They're like, okay, here's some Narcan, and you're just a day clean, you're five days clean or something. Here's some Narcan. You know, like you don't know you need it. You know, so you don't know if you need Gavipen. You know what I mean? You don't know when you're clean. So. My belief is you need to dry out. You need to get everything out of your system mm-hmm. for six months. Yeah, like nothing in you. Like unless you're unless you're like schizophrenic and you need the howball shot, that's a different story. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But if you're like borderline or just have you know some anxiety, phobias, bipolar, clean out, dry out, stay in a program for six months, and then you can know finally what you feel with nothing yep. you don't know people don't you forget what what your body feels you don't know what it's like to feel without being on some sort of substance, so it's true tobacco cigarettes so true. weed you know something people are like oh i'm just smoking pot like you still don't know who you are you need to get back because that's what the quote unquote normal people they know who they are like they'll smoke pot and not do anything for a whole week you know what i mean or, or they'll go out and have a drink like once a month and they they, they can still have a zero to come back to you know
0: hey, so uh, t- tell us about your you know your battle against drugs and alcohol what did it do to your life let's go back a little ways and uh when you said i've had enough i have a feeling i know but the listeners may not know uh your story what's your story like and how dark did it get
1: i mean it was so bad that i just i mean listen i was a half i want a half million bucks thank god my mom told me to buy real estate and that's what I do with my money, but Amen. I started parlaying it away, and like I didn't want to leave the house, I didn't want to t- answer the phone. Um, I would get, you know, finally drugged up enough where I felt like in a great mood, like one day a week, and then two days later I'll be cocooned up for 24 hours. It's mm-hmm. like I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't want to sit, I don't want to deal with the embarrassment of going to rehab. I was scared of rehab. I was like, "Rehab's for pussies and rehab's for quitters." You know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> "It's not for me." And like. I was so against any of that stuff, and I was just like, "I'll figure it out myself. I'll brush my shoulders, and I'll be okay." And I kept like trying to cold turkey it for so long, you know. And mm-hmm. it got to the point where my life just fucking sucked, you. So at the end of the day, to be honest, it was like a relief, a, a burden was. When I got in trouble, it was like, "I can breathe." I was like, oh. mm. "Like, there's no more pressure. There's no more burdens. There's no more fighting it. You know, it's done." I felt like it was all over when I got locked up. And I just knew I was committed to not going back. Mm-hmm. And then for me, you know, from 13 to 33, I missed out on so much in life. You know, Absolutely. then I got out of jail. I started like, like normal stuff to me is cool. You know, I never did none of that yeah. shit before. So, like, I wrote, like, revisiting, like I said, when like a dirt bike and go karts, like, revisiting stuff I did when I was a kid that I like to do again now. I'm like a dad, dude. You know what I mean? Without a kids, Yeah. But it's like, I love doing that kind of stuff. And, it was just such a shitty place I was in. I just don't want to go back there again. It was that, you know, mm-hmm. that scary. Were you ever suicidal? Depressing. I mean, no, never. Never. I just never ever suicidal. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you can see how people get there.
0: Right. Like yeah.
1: I had tremendous family support. You know, I had a lot of people who love me. So for me, it really was never that that bad. Where I was really, really alone. You know, like my mom knew something was up. My, you know, my brother can tell something was going on with me. But you know you're the one with the money at that point. You know I'm the one that had the half million dollars in the bank, not you. So who's gonna tell me what the fuck i can do doing not do? <laughs> you know. So I kind of, dad, the money kind of didn't really change my life. It was easier when you're broke. You know some things in the end are easier when you're broke because you can only get so fucked up. You know with, with, with the money you have.
0: Yeah.
1: You know when you, when you more money more problems. So. For me, when I had that much accessible funds, it's like there's no like I'm going to eight ball for the weekend. It's like I'm buying an ounce of Coke. You know, I'm buying a thousand pills. Mm-hmm. And that's how manic I was. So I had like stockpiled inventory of fucking drugs where it was like whenever, wherever, whatever. You know, I was getting nightclubs for free. I was getting free rooms with the hard rock whenever I wanted them. It was party time, man, for a good year and a half nonstop. is interesting? And the party ends, the music stops playing. And with it, my mental health, real quick, you know, with my mental health, like people like love hanging out. I think it's oh, yeah. exciting, but their party, they go home about their lives, and I'm still stuck, you yeah. know, on my top still spinning.
0: Isn't it interesting how most of the time when you hear about enabli- enabling or enabler, it's it's referring to a person, but those that have had money and been in drug and alcohol have drug and alcohol, food, whatever, g- name the addiction. Money uh, actually becomes the enabler. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, because they, they can hole up and no one can hear from them. They can buy as much as they need and they can hold the fuck up and not talk to nobody or be accountable to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're broke, you got to eat and you got to call your mom. You know? Right. Or you, you got you're like, all right, I got, I got high for four days straight, but I, got, I need food now. Mom, you know, I need 20 bucks. I <laughs> shit my <laughs> pants and my, my
0: skivvies are, I need, I need to clean my skivvies. <laughs>
1: yeah, I need some fresh <laughs> drawers, please. Come pick me up when you're when you're rich when you got money not even rich when you have like when you're well off you know that's why guys with like great jobs you know they like fall so hard because you have access you have means and then the swing of the pendulum goes so far like when you only have a little bit your pendulum's like swinging like it's like bipolar like my mania goes all the way to the left all the way to the right when you only have a little bit of money it goes left and right fast when you got money it, it's the swings are way stronger and way bigger yeah. Which really, you know what I mean, digs that hole deeper. And I'm a firm believer, as far as you go into the woods, is as far as you got to come out of the woods. You know, it's not an overnight cure. Like, people are like, oh, I went to detox. I'm I'm doing heroin for three years. I went to detox for two days and I'm cured. Like, bullshit, (laughs) dude. (laughs) You're not cured, pal. You know, And, and it's the parents that get, like, jerked around the most. And then also, like, the book was for parents. It's like, I'm a big advocate now for parents because they're the key, I think, to really changing the state of addiction in our country. Like they need to be prepared in advance. You need to be ready. You need to be able to identify addiction. You need to be able to handle it swiftly, you know, when it comes into your household, versus denying it, turning a blind eye, buying the, like how many times I lied to my mom, I was like, Yeah Ma, I'm only smoking weed when I'm fucking sniffing heroin. You know what I'm right. saying? Like let me this is a good par-
0: this is a good time for me to play this clip. I want to play this clip that has exactly oh, okay. to do with the with parents and it's kinda like uh, wake up. Okay, it's, it's about 20 <laughs> seconds. I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear it, but if not, uh, I'll be right back. Hold on. Okay.
1: There got You parents licked up and figured out because they're the one running the show in the house. These kids are out there with their drugs, shooting dope in the bedroom, conning you for $20, and you have no idea and you're buying their bullshit. They're the ones sitting there telling you what's going on in that house, and you got to get out the Nile and you need to get your pants pulled up and make things happen in that household. These kids are so full of shit, and the con games run so deep that you have no idea you're even being conned anymore.
0: You have no idea you're being conned anymore.
1: <laughs> no idea. It, it, it's so it's, – listen, my mom – I had my mom convinced I needed $20 a day for lunch money. When I knew she had a refrigerator full of food at home, like I was blasted every day. For my senior year in high school, I was fucked up off her twenty dollars of lunch money. Mm-hmm. You know, come and meet the food in her refrigerator before she come from work. How was lunch that great. You know what I mean? Because she loved me, doesn't know no better. and They don't know no better. And it's a con game. These kids got got it ran on them. I mean, when your kids under eighteen, you need to you know get them past eighteen without being IV drug nowadays. That's how serious the the state of despairs in this country. And but when they're under eighteen you still have control. You can still decide if they have to go to rehab. Once mm-hmm. they're past eighteen and they get away with the lies, it's kind of you're a little bit screwed because they have the say in the game. Right you know you know what I mean? That's
0: right, yeah. Absolutely. So
1: the parents need to wise up and start early. So I recommend with my book, it teaches you about what drug addiction is and the actual the whole process, man. Like no book out there goes into such detail of what's required pre-drug use. To post rehab, like everything is like, here's how you get them help and done. See you later, good luck, Mm -hmm. you know. And everyone's like, rehab sucks. I went to rehab five times. Rehab gets you clean for 30 to 60 days, dude. What happens after after rehab isn't correct, right? You know, the aftercare plan. The parents aren't in the loop. You don't have a proper, you know, accountability system. You don't have a proper plan to go forward with. And then it's the the pre like. Like, I, I'll say it a million times. If you're going to leave your kid with a babysitter, you leave a freaking emergency contact list. Have an emergency contact list. Mm-hmm. The detox they're going to go to, a therapist to bring them to, an addiction specialist to get them off of the suboxone, on the suboxone, to detox from the opiates. You know, know what you need to do if you find needles in your kid's drawer when they're 15. Like, you need to act. Like right away. Yeah, one of the things on this
0: book that I really, really liked that you did, I liked the way you aimed it, you positioned it for parents, but kids as well. You know, has has that approach worked well with the kids? Your book?
1: Yeah, well, what happens is the kids actually, you know, they can actually read and see what's required for the whole entire process. Maybe it'll it'll catch on like why you need treatment after detox, or I share like my forty-two secrets to success in there. That I draw on every day. You know, And w- w- the second I get downtime, I have 42 different tips. Like, mm-hmm. I can pray. I can go to the library. I can do what I can do it today. I have 42 different sayings or slogans or ideas that I pull off of myself to occupy that time and keep me straight on my path. Right. You know, versus, oh, my meeting canceled today. Let me go to the bar and have a drink. Right. Like, Some good excuse, right? Let me stop at the bar right? buy myself a T-shirt. <laughs> let me go to the library and get a new book. You know, let me go on my notes and my phone and work on a project I've been waiting for a half an hour. Change it up. Let me do a little bit of research. Let me do, you know, quit the excuses. Like, you know, do what you can do what you have today is important because every time you're always like, I don't have a new camera and I don't have a microphone. I can't do my podcast. Like, but you can put a list of ideas. You can put a list of stories together. You can outline your timeline. You know how much work you can do without even having any equipment, Mm -hmm. you know? So I kind of share those things with kids so they can kind of like get a leg up at it. Um I got a few more books coming out and a lot more things on my pipeline but I just really wanted to get that out there like a state of emergency like parents read this freaking book. Yeah. I was going to ask you
0: where yes because there's a lot of it's chock full of great information. I was going to yeah. ask you where did you get the where did the idea come from in writing this book?
1: Um for me it's like a I saw what I put my mom my, my my mom, my dad and my family through and I don't want another parent to suffer like they did again. And then there was like my mom was so close to, <laughs> to pulling it off, you know, so many times, but she was just a little bit shy of getting there, you know. So maybe if I can help, I don't want no mom sitting at the kitchen table looking at the clock like, "Where's my kid? Is he okay?" You know, I want them to have my book as solace, you know, in those times of need and despair. And then I want them to be able to achieve success, like. Don't mortgage your house for rehab, you know? Like I teach you a way to pay for rehab. I teach you how to, you know, know there might be two or three stays in rehab. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to the dynamic of of the whole process, there's so much to it. And I take for granted like the terminology and the lingo and what goes on in the industry because it's second nature to me anymore. Mm-hmm. But every mom, like if your kids in rehab, you want to talk about, you know, how was your one on one session today? Or, or you, you were what kind of group Did You you a didactic group today? Was it, you know? Discussion group today, you know, and that way you can share with your kids on what they're doing and also it tells the parents like their role in the process like you need to be active like the kids aren't going to quit. If your kids like a kid like eight 16 17 18 19 years old, they're not going to quit doing heroin themselves. You know, what I mean like something drastic has to happen for them to stop using a needle, right? So they need to understand that like you need to do your job and help them because they're not getting high is fun, you know, and then it becomes a necessity. So it's extreme fun and extreme necessity. Where and there is I'm gonna stop because the mom me says so. It's not part of the process, you know. So I really want the moms to know what role they have to take. The dads to know, like, like the biggest sharpest business man I could ever meet. This guy is for billion dollars. He came and talked to his daughter, you know, and he can close any deal in the world, but he can't get his daughter in rehab. Like he right. can't have that conversation. So I also teach him how to rebuild that conversation. Mm-hmm. Rebuild that trust, you know. Your kid's not your kid no more. Your kid's shooting drugs. He's an adult. He's your friend. You know, the the, the tone mm-hmm. needs to be, you know, me talking to you kind of tone. Like, right. friend to friend, one-on-one, shoot me straight guy, you know, kind of mentality versus like, you smoke pot,
0: get out of my house. You know, right. like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> hey, uh, explain the importance of uh, how parents of the addicted need to move away from um, the parent. But being the parent, like you're talking about to to a passive support role, because I think you're kind of talking in that general vein. Is that correct?
1: Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. Like the conversation would be like, you know, not like Jimmy, like if then, like if you're setting a boundary, set a fucking boundary. Dude. Don't be like, if you do this, will will ever come back here again. The kid comes home high in an hour and you let him stay in your house. I you love
0: know? it. I love it.
1: You need to either set your boundaries soft and hard. You need to learn about interventions. And like you just said, the conversation needs to be like you're talking to your friend. If you think about you and your parents' relationship, it turns into a friendship relationship. Mm -hmm. It's no longer, you know, mother, daughter, father, son. It's like confidant, advisor, you know, type of role in life. At least for me, it is. Correct. You know, I know they're always my mom, always my dad, and always love me like I'm a baby. But still, I can talk to them, you know, like, what should I do here, or what, ha- what's your advice on this? And I learned to turn that corner, and sobriety taught me that. But the parents need to learn, like, if your kid was no smoking pot, don't be like, "Why are you smoking weed?" But like, yeah, you smell like weed, body. Who are you smoking? <laughs> what's going on? You know, you're <laughs> all right. You think about it. You know, like, change the tone, man. Like, mention it. Don't let them get away with it. Don't ever condone something that's illegal. You know, if you if you let them get away with smoking pot, why won't you not let them get away with doing heroin? You know, between the ages of – and nowadays, I would start in my book when these kids are, like, going to the middle school, man. Mm-hmm. It's that hyper, you know – it's, do it's a, hyper fast forward. I,
0: let's do a role play for a second. I
1: guess little, you know. Okay.
0: I, I, w- I wanted to ask you this. Okay, here's the scenario. Kid got busted for drugs, in rehab, back home, enabler parent, codependent parent, no boundaries, kind of boundaries but not really and the kid messes up what are you going to suggest that they do they, they well, violate the rules
1: first i mean you need to have a way of detecting this stuff i'm a big supporter of drug testing at home that really brings the conversation to a head you know i mean if my if, if my kid was in that state he would be accountable with instant drug tests at least every three days mm-hmm. until he was done his program on that kitchen fucking table hell or high water pee in that cup kid You know, because a lot of times – my mom did it. Dude, don't think I'm kidding you. My mom worked for LabCorp before there was 12-panel instant tests, and I would pee in a plastic cup and she would put phone on take it to work and test my my pee (laughs) when I was in high school. (laughs) Swear to God. And it fucking worked, dude. It got me off heroin until – you know, and I never did heroin again after that. But it makes the conversation real. You know, it's accountability. If your kid's just smoking pot, guess what they're going to say. They'll pee in that cup. Like if you – listen. Pot, beer, I get it. You grow up. It happens. It's part of life. You're going to experiment. You're going to try it. And, you know, it's a phase. It's not a phase. Whatever. You know what I mean? But you can't condemn them because they're going mm-hmm. to try it at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. You understand? They're going to drink. If they're drinking and they drive their car, condemn them because you can't fucking drink and drive. You know what I mean? Right. If you had a sip of a beer and they're like, I didn't like it, and you talk about it, and they're transparent with it, they're growing up. But you need to be vigilant when that starts happening. The second they start doing that shit – you got to be vigilant. So, back to the scenario, if my kid's home and he's fucking around, you know, I'm going to have an mm-hmm. instant drug. Every time he leaves that house and comes back, you know, with his buddies, he's going to paint a cup. And then you'll know what's what. If it's ju- You'll know if it's just weed. You'll know if it's Xanax, cocaine, meth, and heroin, you know, which some
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. poor
1: parent that thinks they're just smoking weed and they paint a cup and get those results. You know what I'm saying? Shit gets real, real fast. Let's, so, let's take it to the to next level.
0: You like, ready? We're going to level up. Yep. We're leveling up. Okay, I peed in the cup. I'm ready, buddy. I, I peed in the cup. The kid peed in the cup and <laughs> blew the, the test. Okay, now what? They're going to tell
1: you to go fuck yourself. Leave me alone. They're probably going to walk out of the door. <laughs> and this is when it gets tricky because the conversation, the intervention, if you walked into my house, if my, my mom, dad, and brother were sitting in the living room and I walked in, and like, you're going to rehab, I say, go fuck yourself and go upstairs, you know? Mm-hmm. But... You need to bring a third person like myself into the conversation. Get someone else on the phone with your kid because I can relate to him better than mom and dad can. I can be like, "Listen, buddy, you know what I mean." At least it might take me three or four conversations with the kid, but I can level with him faster than than, than a mom who has mm-hmm. feeling in the game can. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I can say, "Listen, buddy, you know, you're blown. You're lighting the 12 panel." Your mom's scared of dad. She's sick to her stomach. I get getting high is fun, you know, but it can only last for so long, buddy. Why don't you, you know, why don't you, come, why, don't you, why don't you come to Arizona? Why don't you come to California? Why don't you come to Florida, you know, and give it a shot. You know, if you don't like it, I'll send you back home. But you're not going to get sick. You're going to hang out with cool people, and you're going to have a decent time. You know, what do you think about giving it a shot? And get them in the rehab, mm. you know, and those are ways to do it. So for me, I mean, if they blow up the panels like that, you got to take a deep breath, and you got to be cool, man. You can't lose your shit on them. You gotta be like, are you seeing this? You might be like, Billy, are you seeing say- this? But like, this is some some weed you're smoking, right? Be like, this isn't gonna happen. Like, how long is this gonna go on like this for, man? Be like, seriously, I'm your mom. I love you. You're gonna lie to me. And be like, I get it. I get it. I knew you had a problem for a long time. I'm not holding it against you. You're sick. You know, what do you wanna do going forward? And put it on them. Mm-hmm. Always leave it with a question. You know, you give them something to go off to think about, you know, what are you going to do? I'll give you something to think about. It. I'll talk to you a little bit. You can't do nothing right there and right then, you know, then you got to go on the computer and start calling rehabs and run your insurance. Yeah. That's what you got to do. I'm <laughs> saying? And be like, let them go think. What do you want? You know, what, what do you want to do? I can't mm-hmm. have this under my roof. You know, you can't do this. I can't, I can't accept you living here and knowing my son's doing drugs while living in my house. That's my parenting. I love you. I care for you. Uh, I just want you to be better. We always think about something to do. You there's know, a great coming, book out back.
0: there. Yeah, the, uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. What <laughs> you're well. saying, Adam. <laughs> Your book's great, but there's all there's also another book out there that I know you've read. It's called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. You you read yep. that one?
1: Yep, and I I, I took it out of that book too. I, I I read all the tips and pointers in there. You know, and, and boundaries are
0: huge,
1: huge, soft and hard boundaries. Once that happens, a soft boundary is like testing the waters. You know. Like, they, you know they might break it, but you just want to see if they will. Like, hey, do me a favor. Before I get home, can you apply for two jobs, you know, mm-hmm. and, print, and, and take a screenshot when you're done? You know, because nowadays there's no paper app. You go in and it says, thank you for applying to Target. Here's your login. Screenshot it. Like, can you apply for two jobs before I get home and screenshot and Like, they come home from rehab, and, they, and they're not doing nothing. And you're like, I'm going to work now, Jimmy. Can you, you know, at least apply for two, for two jobs today and just take a screenshot when you're done? And they're either going to do it or not going to do it. That's a soft boundary.
0: Mm-hmm. A hard
1: boundary is... If you come in this house and don't take a test, you have to leave immediately and not come back until you're willing to do that, you know? You have to, hell or high water, stand by your guns, or they're going to walk all over you.
0: That is great. Really. (laughs) I I know everyone's listening intently on this because (laughs) how many parents have experienced this? in their lives
1: you're a good podcast man you're really really good at this you know that you're really good at asking questions to get good stuff out of me you oh thanks thank
0: man you. thank you well i love talking to you so hey I, we couldn't uh we couldn't uh get into the closing portion of the show without uh talking about wh- I, I know everyone's out there because you're a star you know you're your big brother yeah, yeah. winner of big brother series yeah. nine all that stuff so everybody's wondering yeah. hey what was that experience like and you know when did you know you're going to win that show
1: Dude, super awesome. I was – my brother said there was one part in there. I was like, I just want It's like there was like three weeks left, and one person went home, and I was like, I just want a half million dollars. Like I knew I was going to win. I knew early on I was going to win that game. I was – I mean, you know where I fucked up? I never watched it before, so I didn't know like the diary room was like your voice to America, so I was kind of fucking with them too because I, I, I didn't <laughs> trust the system, you know? I'm a skeptical junkie, you know what I mean? Like, trust nobody. They're all out to get you. Right. So I kind of like lied to everybody and like – I'm a res- – drug addict a resourceful con artist, man. You get what you want, and I just got what I wanted, and I want a half a million fucking dollars. It was the coolest thing ever on my 30th crazy, birthday. Crazy, Literally on my 30th birthday, April 30th. They handed me – April 30th, 2008 was my 30th birthday. I think 78, 88, 98, 08. April 30th, 08, and I got up in 09, and – or, oh, yeah, 09, tell them that i Yep, 09 is eight years. April 30th, my 30th birthday, they handed me on stage at CBS Studio City a huge paper check for half a million bucks, dude. And it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that was, it was on, dude. It was on. I rock and rolled, and I had a ton of fun. Big Brother was a ton of fun. It was Gilga's Island's old studio, I was told. And, like, you legit don't see anybody in that. You don't see another human being except the people in that house. There's no
0: really? books.
1: The, the Bible's the only thing you can read. There's no phone. There's no internet. There's no magazines. There's no newspapers. There's just the Bible and the people in that house. And how long are and you in there? To do it every week. Huh?
0: How long oh, are you months? in there? Three months.
1: Oh, a month. To, and listen to this. Three months. Three to, months. Listen to this. So, listen, here's a funny little tip. I went to the house, and they. I used to smoke cigarettes. The day I went and got put back in jail. I said to myself, I'm never gonna smoke another cigarette again because I'll live four years longer if I quit smoking cigarettes. So I bought that's how I technically bought my jail time back in life by quitting smoking. Right. But when I was in when I was on Big Brother, I smoked cigarettes and I was like, you know, I'm coming I was like, how long am I gonna be in the house for if I win? Like three months. So I bought enough cigarettes for three months. You know what I'm saying? So Man. I get in the house, these dudes brought one cart and three packs. <laughs> Who the fuck? <laughs>
0: It's like, come on, what were you, I mean, and you hadn't watched the show and these guys are probably, they probably spent all time watching the show. They didn't even bring bring enough provisions, right?
1: Right, and I'm like, all right, you dudes ain't making it, because if I eat
0: the cigarettes (laughs) are coming with me, dude? Right.
1: (laughs) And that's part of the game, you know what I mean? That's part of strategy, and that was like, for me, just having cigarettes definitely bought me three or four weeks in that house, because there was no way in hell four of them dudes were letting me leave with the cigarettes, because they had nothing. Uh, so th- that was kind of a funny little thing about the show.
0: Yeah, and so uh, were there all kinds of was there all kinds of drama and uh, you know <sighs> friends and then backstabbing and all that kind of stuff oh, that people would non-stop,
1: think. Nonstop, nonstop. It was so annoying. Wow. Like they were just like nonstop, be freaking out. And for me, it was all about timing. Like each week, someone gets evicted, mm-hmm. and I would not tell anybody what I wanted to do until like the live show, and then like. Three minutes before Julie Chen's, like, cast your vote, i would be like, you got to do this, you got to do this, and you got to do this. Or we're all fucked, and they would all do it every week because you put the panic in them last minute. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It was all about timing, man, and people didn't realize that. I would just be very likable, not get in the way, and then as soon as the challenges were won, like it's, as, like, it, boom. It, it's called head of household, and as soon as you went head of household – that motherfucker knows who they're gonna kick out. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like when you win, you know instantly who you want to leave that house. So I would look at them and just nod my head real fast, and they would nod back. Inst- Instinctively, <laughs> they would nod back like you're okay. You know what I'm saying?
0: That's cool. <laughs> they, wow.
1: They give you like one little look, like one little nod. Oh, I give them one little body movement, and they give one little movement. I'm like, and they'll be like one little nod, like you're good. And I wouldn't bother them at all. I wouldn't ask. I wouldn't, cause you know they know then if you're good or not. They know, and that's how yeah I got by. And as soon as I got that nod, I would just chill all week, not bother nobody.
0: Cause you're a survivor, man. You know how to do it. Yeah, and it uh, was the
1: best. It was it uh, was so cool, man. It was so much fun. I want to thank Rob and Cass. Thank everybody at CBS, man. They were so awesome. Yeah, they great, really, really great,
0: were. great show. And oh. uh, you know, I was gonna say the um, as far as like, uh, your like next exiled, book.
1: I'm like exile from the Big Brother community. <laughs> badass. bad are like ah, Adam Jasinski is the worst.
0: <laughs> hey I you can write a book now list. what you should do is write another book <laughs> on uh, how to how to survive Big brother and win it by Adam yep. Jasinski.
1: listen every <laughs> time the list comes out like big brother winners ranked from best to worst I'm like the worst is the best I'm like but I always come up first because they go worst to best you know what I mean so every the list comes out
0: right and it's right. cool
1: like entertainment weekly came out and did a story on me and it's like it's catching traction and people are getting it and you know, and it's not like I was like, Hey, I'm out of jail and sober, look at me now. Like I've been working my fucking ass in oh, yeah. field for five years, dude. Like I put my time in, I know my stuff, man. I know what's what I know how to help. I have testimonial from kids and families and parents and adults and everybody those lives I've changed. Hundreds, hundreds hundreds of people I saved their life, man. And it's it really, really, really feels good. The reward of what I do every day, you're it's, an inspiration. from any kind of money.
0: You really are. You're an inspiration because you know oh, you thanks, you man. could have gone the opposite direction, you know, after getting yep. locked up and all that stuff. But no, you chose to be um, a winner in terms of yep. your value to the world and the c- and the community, especially in the mental health and uh, addiction oh. community, which is so needed. It's so tough. Uh, yeah,
1: it's so tough. And 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 listen, I went to like the con. I went to like the, I go to conferences and stuff. I went to like, the moments to change, and like I remember, I'm, I'm coming. I heard like the world's premier. I don't want to dog anybody out, but I heard like the nation's premier expert on like reintegration from prison. And mm-hmm. this dude is so off. Like I gotta get there. You know what I mean? Like he's so off on what they think helps integrate people back into society. It's like just, for example,
0: like, what what was one of the standouts? Like
1: like the, like the guidelines and the structure that they like ask them for accountability and like. The lack of true empathy to know what someone's feeling. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's no way that they can relate to you or there's no way you feel related to. Like, it's just you just want somebody to be like, Man, it's tough and you know, here's some people who've been through it, you know, or like here's some tips of people who did succeed. There's no, you know, light they don't they don't prog- they don't project a light at the end of the tunnel for you. They mm-hmm. project like like you either must do this now or you're fucked. Right. Try mentality and it makes you wanna you know, say fuck the system more versus, you know, encouraging the use of assets. Like my probation officers, I, I used the shit out of them people, man. I got all kinds of free stuff. It was great. Mm-hmm. I got free treatment, free doctors. They provided everything right. because they wanted me to do good. But they don't let you know you have that. They don't encourage you to do stuff. No, good. They don't, you know, they don't say like, hey, we're at a disposal. We're here to help you. Anytime you have, they, they say like, oh, my PO is calling to check up on me. They don't know. Like, if you're having a problem, call your PO and they'll help you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: And what about the like, – If you the, can't uh, find
1: a job, call your PO. Yeah, call your if PO. If you can't get a doctor's appointment, call your probation officer. Like, w- they don't tell you. There's there's such a bad taste in their mouth. You know, they need some sort of program that can kind of, you know, make it more encouraging, you know, make – shine light on the resources that are available. You know, and give them a toolbox to success versus yeah. like boxing them in the relapse. You That's know, recidivism.
0: And what about the what about the silent F word? You know, what I call the F word? It's not the F word. What felony? Okay, here's uh. the deal. You got. I work with uh. guys right now here. In uh, um, there's a great organization. Uh, uh folks that, that are have been incarcerated. They're coming out. Most of them, are, uh, you know, drug offenders and whatnot. Um, and it so sucks, you're dude. you got a felony on your your record. Your entire life. It sucks, dude. It, it sucks. St- I work in
1: like the medical sales. Right. I do. I sell like lab diagnostic testing. I sell like cancer testing mm-hmm. too. Um, and like it's tough. Like I'm working a deal with this huge multi-million dollar right. company, and they, they Google my name, and it's like, oh, you're a felon, and I got to go through like, you know, like who the fuck wants to explain all that shit? Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm a good guy, man. Oh. I fuck. I made a mistake, and it made me better. You know. And but people so have to pay. And everything's trackable. They,
0: they, they say you're doing your time when you do your time. I say you do your time after your time. After and, and, what I, what, and for what you're the I rest of your life.
1: You you gotta figure. You gotta be prepared to work for yourself. Like you gotta yes. earn your own way at that point. Like for me, you know. And they gotta understand. Like they don't teach you. Like if I incorporate a business and I own that company, a company can hire my company, but not me personally. Isn't that fucked mm-hmm. up? Like. A company can hire, you know, my company I own can be hired by a company, but if they hire me personally, I'm a felon. They can't. So people don't, they don't know these tricks. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like work for yourself, get hired as a contractor, hired independently, solicit your business name, not your name. So they're not Googling you, they're Google your business. You know, you got to, that's my best advice. And that's how I was very successful at it because all my work was done through my sales company that I own. So they're hiring my sales company and not me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who's your uh, who's you your know? who's your mentor? Who are some of your mentors? You have one, or I'm sure yeah, you have a bunch.
1: Yeah, my, my buddy. recently, but for the last about year, my buddy Jared, my buddy Jared Doris down here. He's a big time builder, man. He's my age and he's killing it, dude. He is does, that that
0: guy we were talking so about? He's so
1: lazy. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's the guy. Know, cool. that's the big Construction company. He's so laser focused, man, and his advice is so sound. It's like he's my opposite, but he listens so well. And gives me such sound advice. Like, it's real, I tell my mom all the time, like, I can't believe I found a friend that's good, you know, because even in my worst, I can, know, I can, no matter how shitty and bad mood or whatever it is, if I call that dude, he's like, he can tell my voice, like, what's going on with mm-hmm.
0: something, you know? Nice.
1: And you need someone like that. And, you know, he drinks beers, and he hangs out and does this thing and stuff, which is, you know, fine by me, dude, because I'm not tempted by that whatsoever. But like it's it's actually like you said a real life mentor. Mm-hmm. It's a real life somebody who has what I want, you know. Right. And therefore, I'm not afraid to learn what they did or ask what they did to get there, you know. And also, it feels good to be treated like a peer from someone so successful like that too, you know. Like yep. for so long, you attach labels to yourself when you you know when you're a drug addict. Right. And that's one of my tips. Like you know, I'm a scumbag junkie loser. You know, like my therapist helped me get past that. And it's like you know. You gotta redefine yourself. Like, look what the things you're doing. Yeah. You know, you're, I, I totally you're a caring person. You know, you don't have to, to say successful. You know, at first you can say, "I'm a caring person. I'm a good person. You know, I'm a, I'm a nice person." My you sponsor
0: know, years ago told me uh, somebody said something about me or something. I don't know what it was because he goes, "You know what, Mark? It's none of your business what other people think of you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yo, sponsors are so smart. Aren't I you know.
0: Say? Yeah, it's funny. Hey, how have uh, your relationships? You know I love about the program. I love the witty.
1: I love the witty little sayings. I, oh I, yeah. I love that. Oh, they amuse me. They always have them. Like every, and I travel a lot for my speaking and stuff. And uh-huh. like every like area of the country has their own different kind of saying. Right. Is so cool, man.
0: Yeah, that's cool. It. Hey, how have your and relationships changed since uh, since you've been sober uh, and been out of the out of the joint? Me.
1: They don't change. <laughs>
0: They're, they're just as bad, or they're better? What, they're like my better? girlfriend?
1: My <laughs> no. Okay, so let me rephrase off? that.
0: I, uh, ha- have your relationships gotten better over the years as you've got, been in well, you sobriety?
1: Know learned about relationship? No relationship, like sexual or, or personal relationship with your better half, is ever going to be 100% perfect. Right. You need to be able to accept the non-perfect part to accept the relationship part. And, you know, I've been open to discussion about it, and what, since I got sober, I can I'm open more about how I feel. You know, I discuss more openly about what's going on at home, you know, with other people. I mean, I stick with – I had a therapist. I, I go to, like, once a month or now every other month. And, like, you know, even if I don't have anything to say for two, three months, that one month that something's going bad at mm-hmm. home, you know, I can dish it to that guy. And I'm really – what I really, really learned is be vocal about what's going on inside your head. It's like your junk drawer. It's like you clean out your junk drawer mm-hmm. once in a while and only keep what's good, you know, what you really need speaking your thoughts and speaking your mind as you're dishing all that junk out of your junk drawer and you retain only what's necessary and good Mm -hmm. so that for me like this last hour with you man my therapy session's over dude i'm feeling great about myself i got it all out this has been
0: amazing for me too and i hope i'm sure the listeners are just gonna dig this and are digging it uh one of my last questions to you uh, if you were a newcomer again with one guy like me with one hour of clean time, let's say you were you were going to give advice to a newcomer, and they had one hour of clean time. What would that be?
1: Give it thirty days. Give it a month, pal. You're not missing out on nothing.
0: <laughs> Life gets better.
1: You know, you're not missing out on nothing. Give it a month because everything everything's are missing out. You know what I mean? And you got to set that bar. You know what I'm saying? Like thirty days goes by fast. Just chill out and relax, watch some TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like. I don't want the pressure on them. You know, I want to give them direction where to go elsewhere and just let them know that it's not going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay, but you got to give it a month. You know, you got 30 days to make a big change in somebody, but you got to let them know that they got to be committed for, you know, 90 and 90 or do something like that. Mm-hmm. Would be my mm-hmm. advice or they, you know, so much, so much advice to give them, man, but that would probably be what was best for me is that what the kids I see is they need, you know, a goal. They need to say, hey, I can make it 30 days. You know, it's going to be, be shitty. You're going to be miserable. There's lots of going. on. Just don't worry about nothing. Don't worry about nobody. Just make sure you don't do drugs for 30 days.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. You know, yeah. and then
1: that conversation from there is a whole different story, you know, because mm-hmm. they worry about their girlfriend or their job or their school or what am i going to do about college or what about my parent or what about my kid. You know, like, you're no good to your kid if you're fucking high on drugs. You know, you're no good to anybody if you're robbing liquor stores. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it can be way worse. So just chill out and get that 30 days under your belt, and then you can really reassess yourself after that point in time. It's crazy what a month can do to somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. You can really
1: actually make more sound decisions. You're so emotionally fried day one. It's that, like, most of what you say to them anyway really doesn't stick.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Great. Great uh, tips from Adam Jasinski. Hey, Adam, tell wow. us about your books, your podcasts. How do people get a hold of your websites, emails, and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Like I said, your podcast is awesome. This is going to be released on my podcast as well. It's available at Google Play. It's available at iTunes, on Anchor. Um, just look up the Adam Jasinski or hashtag Adam Jasinski. On social media, it's at the Adam Jasinski. Um, the book and my webinar and my seminars can be accessed at mykidsondrugs.com, mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. personal website is AdamJasinski.org. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Tell us t- real quick. Tell us a little bit about those uh, seminars that you do. What are those all about?
1: Well, what it was, the seminars I'm doing is I'm trying to really break down, teach, coach. I do. I'm available for interventions. I'm available for phone coaching. Um, putting together weekend seminars for. You know parents to come down and really do a boot camp i'm going to be traveling and doing presentations um across the country i'm going to be at my life on october 18th for mental health association of palm beach county and my life is just full of providing you know value to people you know like i say it's so hard like your therapist is only available once a week man I'm available 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put so much stuff on the internet. So many videos are coming out. So much content's going to be released that I really am, want to be that one-stop shop for anybody who wants to get past incarceration, mental illness, or addiction.
0: I just love it, man. You honestly, you are such an inspiration to me, man. I'm so oh, proud thanks, of you. I've, I've gotten to know you, and I feel like you're my brother. You're that's cool. doing such great work, and and I'm sure that's Keep being it up, recognized. Keep
1: Too man, listen, don't ever. Listen, everybody else, like like both of us, me and you, you know, like don't ever sell yourself short, you know, like just make time for you. You know, the podcast like doing what you're doing right now. It's for everybody else, but it's also for me. You know, it's also something that you're doing for yourself because, you know, it feels good to do good. And that's that's really the moral of the story.
0: Yeah. Well, Adam, thank you for being part of my show. Let's stay in touch. If you have any updates on your life, what you're doing, I'd love to have you back on the show always oh,
1: sweet too you too man Yeah, and then we'll, we'll do this reverse for you in a couple in a, in a couple of weeks all right? I'll bring you on as my guest
0: I'd be honored man you have a great night and all thanks right. again
1: all right you too man take care talk to you later all right, bye
0: bye bye bye